Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to your Hollywood Crime Scene mini episode. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Okay, so on our main episode, we discussed Richard Ramirez and his groupies. And I said that I was going to look into it more, and I did look into it more and found several other serial killers who had a ton of groupies, the first one being a killer named William Henry Theodore Durant. He is one of America's first serial killers. He is a young, handsome San Francisco medical student back in 1895 who got caught raping and murdering two women. Now, he had a three-week trial that was like an international affair. Reporters noted that lots of young females were flocking to the courtroom to see this guy. One in particular stood out. Her name was Rosalind Bowers. She would arrive to court every day carrying a bouquet of sweet peas that she would give to the murderer. Sweet <laughs> so, peas. Sweet peas are, I love sweet peas. I do too. They smell so good. I agree. I was like, why would you waste sweet peas? <laughs> On, on this, this freak, guy. what's he going to do with them? Does he even like, is that like his favorite flower or something? I feel like it's very 1895 of her. Yeah. Because it's like. It's a very old fashioned flower. I find sweet peas very precious. They have a very small season. <laughs> Why you would waste it on this guy who probably threw them into the garbage the minute he left court is beyond me. I always buy them when I see them. They're the best smelling flower. In fact, when I first smelled one, I was like, this is sweet peas. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I had heard about them my whole life. And when I finally smelled them, I did try to grow them. And they're really delicate because they need a ton of water. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So she tried unsuccessfully to visit this guy in prison. He eventually gets convicted and hanged. And she went back to her husband because, yeah, she was married the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is one of the saddest simps I've ever heard about. He is an OG simp, this husband. Yeah. He's like, yes, dear. <laughs> he probably grew the sweet peas. <laughs> you, he probably did. I wouldn't doubt it. They were from his garden. Absolutely. Now, another woman whose name came up a lot is our old friend, Sandra London. We discussed her in detail on the Danny Rawling, uh, the Gainesville Ripper episode. That is one of our movie versus realities scream versus yes. Danny Rawling. So she, that was not her only serial killer. She was also with a guy named G.J. Schaefer, who she began writing uh, crime-based stories with. She was also with Keith Jesperson, who was called the happy, happy face killer. And those were before she got involved with Danny Rowling. Now you have to believe that she has a girlfriend that's like, what's going on here? By the second one? Seriously. We all have that friend. <laughs> everyone needs that friend. Everyone, yeah. Everyone I, makes a few mistakes. This is like, a, you know, my favorite characters on the 90 Day Fiance franchises. There's always the concerned friend who sits down with them and says, what's going on here? That's like, when I watch 90 Day Fiance, I'm like, I'm the friend. I know you are. <laughs> like, that's me. <laughs> I always relate to that character who's like in the background, like skeptically, like rolling their eyes <laughs> over everything. 
<laughs> they have the one-on-one conversation with them. They it's always, always they always go out to a Chili's or something, and then the friend is like, "Okay, why are you doing this? What's going on?" I like when they're kind of silent, and the person's like, "Tell me," and they're like, hmm. "Like they resist it," and it's like. You want them to tell you, but then you don't listen to their advice at all. Yeah. And then those friends are always the ones who are like sort of reluctantly at the wedding. Because you know the person's just going to repeat the same behavior over and over again. Yeah. And I think all you can do is let them make their mistakes and not get involved or not feel responsible at some point. Right? Like there's nothing you're going to do to stop them. I have to imagine that Sandra London, she had she either had a lot of friends who were enabling her or she did have a friend who was like, I'm going to give you what's what, but I'm going to keep hanging out with you anyway because, you know what, maybe that friend needs help too. Yeah, because why does she, she can get a better friend. Set a boundary with Sandra. <laughs> Sandra needs boundaries. Uh, so yeah, she's she's all, she's a, she's a multi-time offender. She's a serial, serial killer slut. Yeah. So the next guy we have is named Wade Adam Ford. He is a serial killer. He killed sex workers. And this woman, her name is Victoria Redstall. She is described as a busty British actress who was also a spokesperson for a bust enhancement supplement. (laughs) Now, bust enhancement supplements, that also reminds me of like, was it in Greece where they're like doing the bust, we must increase our bust exercises or something? I don't think that was from Greece, but oh. I think that was something they did in the 50s. It, maybe it was from like a Judy Bloom book too or something. My There's mom some reason, told me about that. Yeah, I remember hearing about it somewhere. Uh, those those bust exercises yeah. and supplements. We must. We, we must. must. We must increase our bust. <laughs> Very bizarre thing to do. Did you ever hear any like hot tips when you were in middle school from other girls about how to get bigger boobs? No, but I had bigger boobs, so oh. I didn't really care. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Look. They came to me for tips. <laughs> I had a friend in middle school who had gigantic knockers. Yeah. And she told me, she's like, I drink milk every day. Oh, really? Look, it has nothing to do with milk. It's genetics. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can really do. No. And I know from firsthand experience, (laughs) having never grown tits larger after eighth grade. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Like, it'll come. No, it never came. They were always... Okay. No, I never. So I never did anything. That's enough information to get bigger tits. Now they did get introduced finally in prison. She would visit him. They sang together and talked about their childhoods. At his trial, she would take pictures of him, and she installed one as her screensaver on her cell phone. She also said that she would trust him with her life. A quote: Everyone tells me he's a serial killer, but they don't know Wayne like I do. Oh, Oh. okay. We've all got evil in us. Sure. I mean, speak for yourself. Uh, You know, he just took it to the extent of killing humans. Oh, okay. (laughs) But uh, you know, she loves who he is today and the remorse that he has. So he conned her. Um, She also after you know, five years of dating in 2011, she started a movie called how to pick up girls. <laughs> she, wait, she starred in that movie. Yeah. Wow. Melon just the, fell. The cats are maniacs. Now I also saw that she was play, had like a bit part in the rock. Oh, we were just talking about the rock. I know. So now when I watch the rock, which I'm going to do, 
I can look for her. You know, I've never actually seen all of The Rock, but I remember watching lots of snippets of it because my brother was like obsessed with that movie. Uh, I'm realizing like there's a lot of movies that were always on cable TV. Yeah, that uh, was know, during one of the them. 90s that I feel like I thought I had seen. Like I thought I had seen Con Air, but when I watched it, and I'll get into this later because that's what that's going to be what I'm talking about <laughs> for my what I watched section. I was like. Did I? I don't think I ever saw this movie, but I like know everything about it. Like it's one of those. Uh, very weird. So obviously we discussed a bit um, about Manson having his groupies show up to trial back in the day, but he also had a fiance shortly before he died. Do you remember Star? She was in her 20s and she was a groupie who announced that she would be marrying Charles, who was 79 years old at the time. Now, they never ended up getting married, and I think Manson died in 2015. Is that when he died? Uh, No, it was later because we already had this show by then because we were doing our Manson watch. Oh, okay. It was 2017, I believe. Okay, so they must have met in 2015, and then I got engaged in 2015. So then he died of it. He died at like 83, I think. Yeah. So that would have been a few years later. Now it turned out that she was only marrying him so that when he died, <laughs> she could put his body on display and make a shitload of money. Well, first of all, I don't know why she thought that would be a huge money earning thing. Would she be allowed to keep the body? I. Honestly, don't know the legality of it. Um, that was her plan, though, because I remember everyone was like, "What is she doing?" Don't you have to like properly dispose of a corpse? Yeah, she would. Yeah, like you can you take it on tour in a glass coffin? That seems like illegal. She wants to like Vladimir Lenin his corpse and hey, make it like a tourist attraction. Yeah, maybe she looked into it more and realized that she, her plan wasn't legal, and that's why the marriage got called off. Uh, yeah, they ended up not getting married. I don't know what happened to her, but she was, uh, she was a real piece of work. Do you think her friends are like, oh my God, star, do you remember that phase where you were like totally (laughs) engaged to Charles Manson? Yeah. And she was like attractive. Yeah. And she, she definitely had a look of a Manson girl though. She had the long brown hair with the part in the middle. And dead eyes. (laughs) And the dead eyes. Uh, I think her parent, like her parents were also sort of like embarrassed about the whole well, thing. Well, I hope they were. <laughs> Look. I hope they were embarrassed. You got to be embarrassed if your kid's doing that kind of shit. <laughs> There's no shame. <laughs> <laughs> now, another person we mentioned on the show as having a ton of groupies is Ted Bundy. He is often considered to be a very attractive man. I don't find him particularly attractive. He's not my type. He's a little too uptight and nerdy for me. He's the guy that everyone in every documentary and everything about Ted Bundy, part of his story, part of the narrative about him is that he was so attractive. Yes. And it's like we mentioned, it's definitely like a Jodi Arias, like Casey Anthony (laughs) type of thing. It's like, are they really that hot or is it like... Are we talking about a really low bar here? Like, he's very hot for a serial killer. It's like, no. Uh, So he had a groupie. He famously proposed to his groupie while he was representing himself when he was on trial in Florida. Do you remember when he proposed to her? Or they, like, got married? There was something where he was, like, under oath. So, like, technically he, like, they like got married legally in the courtroom or something like that. Do you remember that? I don't. Her name is Carol Boone. 
uh, she was a supporter who ended up becoming um, more. Oh, yeah, here it is. He proposed to her in the middle of questioning her. She was on trial as a character witness for him. While he, when he asked her that, she said, he said, I do hereby marry you. And that was like legally binding. What? Because it was on the stand or something but like that. But was the, don't you have to have like someone else officiate it? I, I think everyone was almost like a witness there. It was like some weird legal proceeding, like loophole That's or something. Weird. I'm hoping they changed it. They actually had a daughter together. A daughter was born in 1982. So they had a conjugal visit. Yes. Yes. So this poor girl. This imagine daughter. this daughter. Oh, oy. Poor thing. Uh, now we mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer on our last show and wondered, did he have groupies? He did have groupies, Rachel. Wow. And they were all women. Really? <laughs> yes. Well, now, do, do they know that he's <laughs> not going to go for that? <laughs> I don't think they care, Rachel. Uh, I was shocked. I was like, he, he, maybe he would have like gay male, like groupies. groupies. Right. That could be possible. No, he has all women. So it's the ultimate, like thinking you could turn a guy straight. Or yeah. Something. Like, They're like, or like, maybe I can change him. They, re- those women are another level. They not only want to change a serial killer, they want to change his sexuality. Yeah. Or they don't buy it. So this one woman in particular named Angela Zettel, she uh, was a huge fan of Jeffrey Dahmer. She would wait in line every Tuesday to get one of the seats at his trial. Uh, when he was uh, on trial, she was obsessed with his story and obsessed with Dahmer and, uh, you know, she wasn't the only one. He had teenagers come in who wanted his autograph. Teenage girls? Yes. Teenage girls come in wanting his autograph. And that's probably definitely more of a, um, you know, edgy, edgelord type. We're going to go in and get Dahmer's more yeah. than her. She was definitely more of a, like, b- true believer or fangirl, I guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, she... Fans paid total of twelve thousand dollars to Dahmer, like giving him money, I guess, for to buy stuff in jail. Um, disgusted prison officials called the women sick, <laughs> but uh, as we all know, Dahmer was murdered in prison in nineteen ninety four, so it didn't last too long. But yeah, he had some fangirls. Another surprising fangirl person is Henry Lee Lucas. Ugh. Now he is. Very unattractive. No one's ever called Henry Lee Lucas an attractive killer. He's one of the serial killers. When people see his face, they're like, "Ugh." Yeah. When they well, when they see him, they're like, "Yeah, he." he <laughs> that looks like a man that's not safe he, to be around. He looks like a stereotypical uh, serial killer type from a movie. Yes, yes, and he even has like one eye. Like he's just. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. So he had a follower who was so devoted to him that she had concocted a plot to free him by posing as one of his victims. What? So I guess she could get into the courtroom or like say that she was one of his victims and wanted to speak to him or that something. Is sick. Yeah, he died in prison in 2001 and, and her plan never worked. Now, another interesting case is John Wayne Gacy. 
he had a male fan named Jason Moss, who was a college student pretending to work on an assignment who wrote to Gacy. This guy claimed that he was gay in order to attract the attention of John Wayne Gacy and visit him in prison. So this guy just wanted to be pals with him? Yes. So he pretended to be sexually interested or at least of the same sexual orientation to get into prison because John Wayne Gacy was like, sure, come in, you're a young guy. Uh, and then the the um, visit turned into a... Gacy actually got violent during the visit. Well, I guess I wonder if he found out and threatened to rape Moss. He obviously, that did not happen, but he ended up producing a book about serial killers because he also visited several other killers in jail. Like he was another people who kind of, that was sort of like his thing. So like he wanted to befriend multiple killers. Did he want to befriend them because he was interested in writing a book or was it genuine wanted to have friendships with them? I think it was kind of a both. Like he liked having these personal connections as well as having this project of writing this book. Now this guy is a troubled uh, guy, he, some of the killers he in, went to visit and interviewed are John Wayne Gacy, Richard Ramirez, Henry Lee Lucas, Charles Manson, and Jeffrey Dahmer. So he went to them all. He also got really into Satanism at some point in his life. <laughs> uh, sadly, though, he did die of suicide at some point. Um, and it was after people were like, oh, he was very depressed and heavily into Satanic stuff by the end of his life. So he has a book out, though, and I think they made it into some kind of movie um, that sounds interesting, and maybe we should look into it and check it out, because mm-hmm. it sounds like a, an interesting story, to say the least. Now, another guy who had groupies is Charles Schmid. Now, I'm going to do an episode on this guy. He is the Pied Piper of Tucson. Have you heard of this guy? Mm-hmm. He's a, He has that typical look. The sort of greaser look. Yeah. Like the, um, what's it called? The pompadour type hairstyle. The ducktail, duck yeah. Duck, duck ass. Um, when, <laughs> Do you when, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He, I, I read this briefly where he was like very short. Um, so he used to wear stuff uh, in his shoes to make him appear taller. He was a total bad boy who had that greaser look, as we mentioned. And his victims were very young girls. Now, he is on trial in the 1960s, and he had a large number of women coming in to see him in court as well. Now, he had a lot of got, uh, action pre-trial. trial. Like, this was... I mean, I don't find him that good-looking once again, but, like, he was, like, a, a good-looking guy. So he always had women, and that continued during his trial. Now, we talked about this woman in our our episode on the Hillside Stranglers. Now, this is my... <laughs> This woman, I just have to say, Desi, this woman we're going to talk about next, she is my favorite serial killer groupie because this woman went to the most demented lengths. She is next level. So her name is Veronica Compton. (laughs) If you haven't listened to our Hillside Strangler episodes, she did one of the most demented crimes I think I've ever heard. Uh, This woman is truly (laughs) sick. Next level. Basically, she did like a copycat crime 
uh, or she attempted to do it to do a copycat she, murder. She didn't even go through with the murder. No, but she attempted to to impress Ken Bianchi to get to make an alibi for him. Yes, right? yeah, or he not, or, got her to do something to make an alibi for him. Now the detail that you can often get stuck on, I believe me and Rachel think about it often, is that she took semen from Ken Bianchi in a medical glove and drove to San Francisco with the semen, right? From Los Angeles. She drove to San Francisco (laughs) with a bag of cum on her lap. (laughs) So, I mean, just an incredible detail. (laughs) Something you just can never forget. I I don't quite know what their plan even was. Like, it was to make it look like he couldn't have been in two places at once, basically. It, or was, something. it was like if he's in jail and this crime happened while he's in jail, he right. must not be the killer. Now, I don't remember you saying this on the episode, but she also got involved with another killer. She got involved with Douglas Daniel Clark, who killed people with his um, partner, Carol Bundy. They oh, were the yeah. Sunset Killers. Oh, yeah. We talked about... We talked about her getting involved... We did an episode on the Sunset Strip Killers back in the early days of the show. Right. A good two-parter episode we did. I remember she also... And this guy, Doug Clark, not a good-looking man. No. And Ken Bianchi is at least average, uh, right? I mean... He's uh, he's no Doug Clark. (laughs) Doug Doug Clark Clark is not a good-looking guy. He's very unattractive. Now, he was on death row when they got involved. He... um, sent her a Valentine's Day letter from prison of a headless corpse. So that's romantic. Like he drew a corpse? Uh, Yeah, with a photo. I don't know where he got the photo. So they began to correspond after that. That's where I file a restraining order. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In 2003, um, wait, oh, she got, she was in prison, right, for a bit. She got out in 2003 and has basically disappeared. She yeah. did go to prison for that Bianchi crime. So maybe her and Clark were writing each other in while they were both in jail. Okay. I see. Sorry. Yeah. Just a wild... I need a book on her fucking life. Yeah, see, that's, that's a, that would... These are the episodes I want to do. I want to know these people's life, life stories, what led them up to this point. Yeah. No, when I was doing this, I'm like, these are all very short, but we could go in depth if these women have written books or something. I'm dying to read some kind of memoir. Yeah, me too. So the last one I'm going to talk about, and I completely forgot about this guy until I saw his name, was Joran Vandersloot. He, oh my God. That's like the most recent, maybe like in a big way. This guy... He's actually was not convicted of murdering Natalie Holloway, but he's widely considered to be the person who murdered her. He is in prison because he is a convicted murderer of another woman. Uh, so in, he, in Chile, right? Yes, he's in prison uh, there. He had a, a ton of um, groupies show up, and he did meet a 20-year-old Peruvian girl who got pregnant with his child on a conjugal visit. I don't know that they are married. This guy fucking hate this guy. He's awful. He is awful. Um, but when I do see his name, Vandersloot. Sloot. <laughs> Sloot. You always think Vandersloot. I know. I'm like, that should be my name. <laughs> like, if you're going to marry him, it's got to be to get the name. Uh, <laughs> no, he's awful. I fucking hate that guy. But he, it's like, 
once again, he's like this vaguely, like vaguely attractive, vaguely attractive in some way. And just this poor misunderstood. He's repulsive to me because he, I find him to be someone who has like no guilt, has never felt any remorse about anything. Like he is just awful. Yeah. Uh, person. But yeah, so those are some of the guys who have huge groupies. You know what? I think it just goes to show that there's a lid for every pot, even if it's a completely disgusting thing. Yeah. Like, you know what? Someone will always find you attractive, so don't lose hope. (laughs) Even if you're an awful, despicable serial killer. In fact, you might be better off being more awful. No, Desi. <laughs> that's not the message we're giving here. That's not the message. These girls want an awful person who's a bad boy. <laughs> um, we did get a few more letters from people who were in LA during the Night Stalker years. Um, we got one from Allison. She actually had um, a boyfriend who got picked up as a suspect because he looked like the sketches, even <gasps> though he looked nothing like Richard Ramirez, oh. he looked like the sketches that we saw and kind of mocked because they just really don't look like Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Isn't that wild to get picked up because of the sketch <laughs> and the sketch is like really wildly inaccurate. Uh, so that was pretty funny. We also got a letter from a guy. He calls himself coach. He's in Hawaii. He said that where he lived in Huntington beach, he had a group of athlete friends who were like, come to Huntington Beach. And they actually put signs on their winter, uh, their windows saying, Night Stalker, enter here. What? Because they thought that they were going to be the vigilantes who oh. caught him. Oh. So they were like tough guys, like high school tough guys who were like openly like willing the Night Stalker to come into their neighborhood. In the email, he said, I mean, he said that when they hit Mission Viejo, which is closer um to huntington beach they were kind of like oh if you had just gotten off the freeway like one exit earlier or whatever (laughs) so these guys really wanted to kill the night stalker they were happy that it happened in east la but just a little bit disappointed that they didn't get a chance to beat the shit out of richard ramirez so now we we did post pictures i posted some pictures on our instagram of the heroes in East Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Those the, are great. The the residents who lived there who kicked Richard Ramirez's ass. I love those. Were those taken for an article or a book? Yeah, they were taken for a lot of them were from the Los Angeles Herald from the newspaper that came out like that week after. Oh, yeah. Because they seemed like portraits. Almost. Yeah, after, yeah. After he was apprehended, they took pictures of some of these East LA residents who helped to capture Richard Ramirez. Um, We also got an email from Ashley who wanted to help me clarify the difference between the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple. So she said Richard followed the Church of Satan, which is the Anton LaVey version, and that's the one people think of like Satanism, evil which was started in the mid-60s. The Satanic Temple was created in 2012, and those are the more the people who kind of use Satan as a symbol for the outcast and they focus more on empathy, social justice matters and separation of church and state. So that's a good succinct um, distinction between the two. And that's all I have on as far as that stuff goes. Great. Well, let's take a break because I can't wait to talk about what you watch, Desi. (laughs) We'll be right back. Okay. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Well... Desi watched Con Air last night for the first time in her life. She had never seen it, and she has some thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So did I say this, that I thought I had seen it before? Yeah. It's like, it's one of those movies where it's like so familiar, but you, I very quickly was like, I've never seen this movie because <laughs> I would remember this because within five minutes of watching this movie, I was already laughing my ass off at how ridiculous it was. And I felt like I had only seen images, but I had not seen like scenes or something like that. Well, you were about to start talking about how this is the kind of movie that was always on cable. Yes. So I probably saw snippets of it here and there, but I didn't really know what the movie was about. Like I knew the storyline basically was that it was transporting uh, cons or whatever <laughs> on an airline, but I didn't even know like why he was on it or what the deal was with the shipping them that way. This movie came out around the same time as Air Force One, which is also kind oh, of the same genre of, okay. like, of like overly dramatic action movie from that era. I got to say, I, I didn't, I remember Air Force One, the trailers vividly as a kid because Harrison Ford went, get off my plane. I'm like really into this genre of film right now. Yeah. And I'm going to be watching a bunch of them because I like watching dumb things late at night. Yeah. This is like a perfect thing to watch late at night because if I fall asleep, I really don't care. <laughs> like I'll maybe watch the rest of it. It doesn't feel like I have to watch it in one sitting. Like I did start The Core last night and I fell asleep. Wait, oh, The Core is great. So I'm going to finish that later. The Core is low-key really good <laughs> with Hilary Swank. Yeah, that and movie, Aaron Eckhart. That movie totally bombed at the box office, but it's actually good. But I like... I'm into this type of movie right now, and I haven't seen a ton of them. I can so. recommend so many okay, for you, good. Desi, because okay. I've because this is one of my favorite genres of movie is like 
disaster movies uh-huh. and this kind of action movie. Like, I don't like like heist action movies, but I like action movies where something goes terribly wrong. Well, one thing I realized just from watching two <laughs> or one and a half movies last night is there's a very specific theme where it's like, one guy is a basically good guy who gets somehow gets caught up in a situation that's not, do you know what I mean? He's like reluctantly like, ugh, like I guess I got to deal with this. Like, yeah. And it's, everything is so predictable. Like the first scene, it's like Nicholas's Cage's friend is like, oh shit, my insulin. You're like, well, that's going to come up. Of course. <laughs> this is going to be a major plot point because why else are they like doing it? And then this movie has all of them. Like it has the brief when every criminal is coming on the plane. It's like, that's a... Uh, <laughs> Diamond Dog, da 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 da. He killed forty women. Right. So you get the brief on like every person. John Cusack is there. He's like very arrogant, obnoxious John Cusack like character. He's like on cue. John Malkovich is there. I literally screamed when he got the brief because I had forgotten that he was in it. So when he showed up, I was like, yeah, like I got so fucking excited. Shit's going down when John Malkovich shows up. Uh, I lost it when Chappelle showed up (laughs) because I honestly am like, have I seen him in a movie that wasn't like a comedy or his own show or whatever? So he shows up. He's like, you know, kind of the comic relief, I guess, until he uh, gets, he croaks. Um, Nicolas Cage is in a performance that is like bizarre. Like he's Southern, but he's also kind of Zen. Look, he has very flowy hair and he (laughs) smiles a lot. (laughs) Like this image, I had to rewind and see, look at this image every time where he smells fresh air. Yeah. (laughs) It's bananas. Are you going to talk about our boyfriend that's in it? Uh, Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Okay. When he showed up in the Hannibal Lecter (laughs) thing, that I I screamed even louder than I did when John Malkovich showed up. Because I also have a crush on John Malkovich. Yeah. John Malkovich should play every deranged psychopath ever. He's so good. He's the best at it. Yeah. He is so good. So I love seeing these actors in movies because I'm like, I'm happy you got a really big fat paycheck for this bullshit role that was so easy for you. So yeah, I was super happy when Steve Buscemi uh, showed up. There's a scene after my own fucking heart. I see, look, I did take a picture of him. He's got like a Bane mask on. <laughs> uh, you can't be scared of Steve Buscemi, even though he's like a murderer. What was he? The Marietta um, like Mauler or something. He had like some kind of serial killer. I name. haven't seen it in a while. I also love Danny Trejo's in it. He's a rapist. <laughs> he at some point... <laughs> comes up to Nicolas Cage. I can't remember what exactly he said. He's like, he's like, what am I to you? And and Nicolas Cage says something like ugly all day. Like he called him ugly all day. Danny yeah. Trejo. Yeah. Trejo looks scary because he doesn't have his mustache in this. He's just like a bald face. <laughs> that's not a term. He doesn't have his facial hair. So it was like, I was like, oh yeah, that's Danny Trejo. It's he looks, jarring. It's really jarring. Um, okay. So let's get to the scene where the bunny I when I saw the bunny scene, I was like, this must be the most famous scene <laughs> in this movie instantly, where the guy who's secretly onto Nicolas Cage's character finds the stuffed bunny that he has bought for his daughter, and he's like, put down the bunny. Like I don't remember this. Okay, this Desi. scene has got to be the most famous scene in the movie <laughs> because he's like, If I'm gonna kill you if you don't put down that bunny. And then he shoots the guy for not putting down the bunny. 
so he kills a guy over a stuffed bunny, but the line is so over the top grim and it's about a stuffed bunny that it's just hilarious. It's a hilarious action movie line that you just know people lost their shit over. Um, the other insane thing is that they try to land on the Vegas strip. Yeah. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, this is so extra. Like this movie was already fucking extra. And now we're doing this extra bit where they can't land on the airport. So they have to land on the Vegas strip and they're just crashing through every fucking hotel. They land at a hotel. This <laughs> honestly thinking about this scene, I do remember this. It gives me chills because it was so over the top and unnecessary. It was spectacular. Right. I, I skipped over one of my favorite scenes because uh, Steve Buscemi at some point meets up with this little girl who like lives next to one of the airstrips. Yeah. And they're in an empty pool together having um, a tea party. Yeah, right. Absolutely deranged. It's a, it's, it's a chilling <laughs> scene, scene. Uh, where I was literally like, that is my ideal role. Like if I, <laughs> any scene where a little girl is being very little girl, cause she's like from another time period. This movie is from the nineties. This little girl is from the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> she's got like braids. She's wearing like a prairie dress. Like she's very old school. Uh, yeah. Very scary scene. I believe she's safe. He does not kill her. And Steve Buscemi gets away at the end. And I feel like everyone was pretty happy about it. It's kind of like when uh, Hannibal Lecter is at the end of (laughs) Silence of the Lamb. And he's like in, is he like in an island nation? I can't remember. And he has like the white suit on. And he's like, I'm free. Yeah. Uh, So, and then I mentioned this to Rachel last night. While they're in Vegas, Cage is reunited with his daughter. He gives her the fucking bunny. He sees his wife. As he sees them, though, How Do I Live <laughs> by Trisha Yearwood starts playing. And I did, I, I lost it. I laughed so hard. And this is something that stuck out to me so much about the movie Con Air is because <laughs> the tone and the content of this movie couldn't be more radically different from the song How Do I Live by Trisha Yearwood. Which right. is the official song of the movie. It's the song that was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song from a Movie. Lost out to My Heart Will Go On, I believe. Oh. Which oh. makes sense because Titanic was such a huge movie. Oh, it lost too. It I lost. thought you said, okay, yeah, yeah. No. No, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it lost to I was My like, Heart really? <laughs> but they had this, but, but I remember watching the Academy Awards that year and then being like, Con Air nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. The fact that Con Air was nominated for an right. Oscar is hilarious to me. And that's like, I think, a, I think there's a lot of cases where really bad or like whatever blockbuster type movies get nominated for Best Song. Like they, they, they'll get some nomination for something like that or a special effect thing. The, the song was written independently of the movie. Right. But they tack it on at the end of the movie and it just, the tone is too different. It's weird. Uh, I do think that Diane Warren, who I think wrote that song, she she does a lot of action movie songs. Yeah. Uh, That's her, that's her specialty, I think. Uh, You know what song is really good that I heard the other day (laughs) that it's so insane is that Celine Dion song, I Drove All Night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a cover. Wait, I I heard that on something the other day where I was just like, this song is insane. (laughs) 
And I was like, I want to do this song for karaoke, but I wish I could sing better because it's really hard. Because I was like, can you imagine going up and singing that song? It is a deranged song. Like I have such mixed feelings with Celine Dion because I don't really like her music, but I love her. Yeah, same. So it's like, I, when she does like a deranged vocal performance, I can't help but be like, I like this song, even though I technically don't. It's weird. Celine owns who she is. She has great stage presence. She's so corny, but doesn't care. You have to love it. I respect it. So I respect deeply. her so much, even though I, I wish she had better songs that I liked, but yeah. I will get into one of her songs just because I do like her uh, so much. Yeah. I'm not a fan of her music at all, but I, as a person, I think she's very talented. And I would absolutely go see her perform live. A hundred percent. We have to do that. That would be so fun. One hundred percent. We need to go see Celine Dion in concert. Yeah. I think that would be hilarious. That would be the first time I think I would like go to a concert, like buy the ticket myself for music I don't even like. Oh, totally. Just because I want to see Celine Dion. And you know she would do some deranged cover <laughs> that was completely out of her wheelhouse. Yeah, she but would, it would be amazing. She'd do the Doobie Brothers or something. Yeah, and it would be, you would be screaming. Like, I picture myself literally almost faint at her concert. <laughs> That's how much I would be enjoying it. Yeah, and I want to see her all her outfits that she wears. Oh, me too. Because she has a fashion sense that matches her everything. Like, everything is in line with Celine. Like, people were so angry at that Dior suit she wore oh, right. at the Oscars. Yeah. They were so furious. I just don't get angry about that. She's trying something. Well, we've said many times on the show before that they just don't dress kooky at the Oscars anymore. I like when people dressed kooky. I miss the bike shorts. Oh, yeah. Me too. I miss Sharon Stone wearing a Gap t-shirt. I like when people used to try to make their own like with the Demi Moore bike shorts. Yeah. Like they would, or did Kim Bassinger do something like that too? She also did something weird. It was like half shoulder, half. It's like it, they didn't get a stylist. They just picked it out themselves. I love it. I miss that era. Me too. I mean too. More, I love it. More A-list stars should make weird, interesting fashion choices at award yeah, shows. That bomb. Yeah, that bomb. That I are, want something that bombs. I want a worst, <laughs> I want worst dress list like realness for big stars, big stars, not like the ones we've never heard of. Yeah. Because they always do something. <laughs> They're weird. trying to get attention. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I like Celine. So that was my big watch this week and I'm going to watch more movies this week. I think that it will be equally crazy. Yeah. I feel like did I watch, I have else? some good recommendations for you because I've seen, look, disaster films is like one of my favorite genres of movies. I have seen a lot of disaster films, but I haven't seen them all. Um, have you, did you see the, the most, it was pretty recent. It was a few years ago with the rock about the earthquake, San Andreas. No, I didn't see that. You, that one was fun. If they're in the last few years, I definitely haven't. Okay. I've seen like every single one, even the really bad ones. I saw a lot of the ones that came out in the nineties. Like when there would be like two that were very similar. Like Dante's Peak. (laughs) Yeah. Like I saw those, like what was the one with Tia Leone? That's that's what I was trying to tell you. It was Dante's Peak. And uh, the volcano. No, this was the one where there was a tidal wave coming. Oh, Deep Impact. Yes, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Ye- was Deep Impact and Armageddon yes, the same? Okay. That was the same. I year. saw Armageddon. I saw Deep Impact. That's the one where she was on the beach with her dad when the tidal wave was coming. Yeah, because her dad was like a scientist or something. I like Deep Impact. I do like Deep Impact. Do you know what else I really like is Twenty Twelve. I don't think I saw. You got to see it. It's okay. great. It's really great. It's it came out like. 
uh, right before 2012, I think. Okay. And it's with John Cusack and, oh, I think Woody Harrelson is in it. Oh, I love Woody Harrelson. Dude, he plays, of course, like this crazy conspiracy theorist, like bunker guy. I love him. It's really good. And it has the whole like subplot of like the, like, sort of like the class war aspect okay. of good. the yeah. of the disaster where the rich people are going to get to be saved. You got to see it. It's good. I low-key realized this this week that Woody Harrelson is one of my favorite actors. He's one of my favorite actors. I love him. He's good in everything. Like, even when I watch a stupid movie like uh, The Hunger Games, which yeah. he's in, I'm like, he's so, he's like the best thing in The Hunger <laughs> Games. Like, I love Woody Harrelson. He's so good. Yeah. I will watch him in anything. So I'm officially on, like, that is one of my favorite actors. It's not low-key anymore. <laughs> He's so good. Okay, you need to watch 2012 tonight. Okay, I'm going to watch... Well, I have to finish the core, but oh, maybe right. if I have time, maybe I'll be up late. Who the fuck knows? I'm a wild woman now. I'm a, I'm a late nighter. I'm really happy that you're staying up later. You're getting on my schedule. Not as crazy as my schedule. Yeah. But you're, I mean, but you're at least like a little later now. Yeah, I was going to sleep early. Because you know why I was getting up much earlier for work stuff, but now that nothing is happening... It doesn't really matter, so yeah. I can stay up later. Uh, I've always been a night owl. Right. No, so. you've never been like, oh, I go to bed early. No, but what I... Uh, yeah, no, but I am definitely staying up later. Uh, you know what it is? I'm watching like way more TV, to be honest. <laughs> I think I used to feel guilty, and now I'm like, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? I'll just watch TV all night, and then I can't stop. I love TV. I love television. Ugh, I love TV. I love it. <laughs> like, Are you high right now? No, I'm... You're I mean, related. I did take an edible earlier, but I don't feel like it's still on. Well, um, I watched a new show oh. that just came out that I really enjoyed. I binged it in like Ooh. one and a half days, and it's called Your Honor. And it, <laughs> That's dude, like what I would dude, name my show when I was a kid. Dude, it's called Your Honor, and Brian Cranston plays a judge. Oh. And I, I didn't, oh, oh my God, and guess who shows up? <gasps> Chet Hanks. No. Yeah. You don't like Chet Hanks? Uh, Come on, Desi. I don't know if I like this him. This is the year of Chet Hanks. <laughs> this is his breakout year. Chet Hanks, number one himbo. <laughs> this is his year. Okay. He's in, look, his character is perfect and he does a great okay. job. He does okay. a great job in this role. Okay. Um, it's not like a major role. Right. He's just, he shows up and you're like, oh my God, it's fucking Chet Hanks. Right. Uh, is he yeah. playing himself? Basically. Okay. He's like, uh, yeah, it's true. My parents have the coronavirus. Whack. Waha. Wasn't he saying <laughs> Oh, that? my God. Wait, is that what he says in the show? No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wow, that really is like... <laughs> okay. A year ago... I when, remember that. I, almost a year ago, when coronavirus first came to the States, or was about to, and Chet Hanks, his parents, which are Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, <laughs> they were in Australia, I believe. Yes. They got coronavirus and they, and they were, were like the quarantined. first celebrities to get coronavirus oh, totally and everyone was really scared yeah obviously you know it's scary and chet hanks posted an instagram story video of himself shirtless yeah making like a very serious statement about how his parents had coronavirus and he goes uh yeah so wow my parents they have coronavirus weird huh yeah they're not cool they're cool they're not tripping yeah, it was wild. It was a wild video. I find him funny. 
but I am not like, not, I don't know what, what I feel. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily Dude, I, a fan. I'm, no, it's more just a fascination. With oh yeah. Him. It's a fascinating. It's a fascination. Because I'm fascinated that that is the son of Tom Hanks. Yes. Like it does not make sense because to me. Because Colin Hanks, <laughs> Colin Hanks makes so much sense. Colin Hanks makes absolute sense. And I really like Colin Hanks. Oh, me too. He's a great actor. He's a great actor. Chet Hanks is like, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that they grew up with the father who was more famous than Colin did, but at the same time, it's still Tom Hanks. Like, you have to Look, figure he's a real guy. I do follow Chet on Instagram, so now I have up-to-the-minute updates about what he's up to. Okay. He's doing a 60-day workout challenge right oh, now. Oh. He, does he want to be an actor? Yes. Okay. I think he does. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's in this show, Your Honor. Obviously, I'll watch anything Brian Cranston is in. I love him. He's my favorite actor. Uh, <laughs> it's this show's wild. It's really fucking wild. It's better than I thought it was going to be. What's it on? It's on Showtime, but it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, so I'm watching on Amazon, but it's like, I mean, it's like, it's definitely, I mean, it's just like crazy shit ensues. Oh, and the guy, gosh, I'm forgetting the actor's name, but the guy who played Arnold Rothstein in Boardwalk Empire, he's in it. Oh. And he's a great actor. I know who that is, yeah. It's, it's, if you like drama, if you like drama and bad shit happening and Brian Cranston breaking bad, I would say again, okay. in this role, uh, then you'll be into it. It's wild. Okay. That's what I binge lately. But I like shows like that. Yeah, me too. So what else did I watch this week? I didn't really watch a whole lot of other TV, but now Desi's inspired me to um, revisit some old older action movies. Yeah. They're the perfect thing to watch right now, I think. Yeah. The other movie I watched this week was The Firm. <laughs> oh yeah, it's I've never like seen that. Old, I never had seen it either. It's not my favorite movie, and to be honest, I don't really love Tom Cruise. Like he's yeah. not an appealing actor to me. It yeah. always makes me feel really uncomfortable watching. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> but it was like I was in the mood for some type of movie, and I did ask people on Twitter. I was like, "What should I watch that's like this, but like without Tom Cruise?" And someone recommended a movie, um, "The Devil's Advocate." Which oh, I want to rewatch yeah. too because I haven't seen that for a while. But that was also a movie that was always on like TNT or something. <laughs> yeah. So that one I really want to watch, um, but it wasn't available on any of the streaming services I have, which always gets me annoyed because I'm like, well, I have so many of them. You know which ones I always uh, that are always good is like um, all those Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd movies. Oh yeah. You know what's a good one? Uh, okay, so like. Oh, he, there's a long came a spider. That one's okay. What's the other one? Kiss the girls. Kiss the <laughs> Kiss girls. The girls yeah. Dude, watch Kiss the Girls. That movie's <laughs> fucked up. And the other one I like with Ashley Judd is Double Jeopardy. Oh wait, dude, you got to. I du- feel like I might have seen dude, some of these. You got to. Who knows? You got to revisit Double Jeopardy. That one's fun as hell. I like. Wasn't there one? Was it with Ashley Judd where it was sort of sort of like set in Louisiana? And there was like I think some, that's Double Jeopardy. <laughs> was that Double Jeopardy or what? Kiss the Girls? Maybe it was Kiss the Girls because there's some kind of like. I, witchcraft element to it oh. or something. Wait, what's the one that has... Wait, all of those movies are okay. like based on the like novels they, of James Patterson. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, honestly, they all blend in together. They do. For me. Like, That's why I feel like I've seen things and then I completely haven't. No, I love... The other one I like is The Bone Collector. Oh, I think I've seen that the one. The Bone Collector See, The Bone Collector up. has like a little bit of a witchcraft vibe to it, doesn't it? 
No, it just oh. has some deranged serial killer shit. Oh, okay, in it. okay. That one's a is good that with one. Angelina Jolie? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I want to get into th- the action movies and also like these thriller. The thriller because the nineties was all about the thriller. <laughs> the yes. thrillers in the nineties they were hot. Do you know what's a great one? Oh my god, Desi, have you seen Arlington Road? Okay, is that what Jeff Bridges? Yes. Okay, I think I have you seen that. You need to see Arlington. Dude, that movie is fucking nuts. We need to make a list. We should do a movie club list. I will I will never forget. Okay, when Arlington Road came out, it came out at the same time as Wild Wild West came out. And I remember going to see, like I was like in uh, Long Beach Island, New Jersey with visiting my grandma. And I was there with my mom and my brother, Nick. And they, my grandma and my mom went to go see Arlington Road in one yeah. theater. And then my brother and I, we went to go see Wild Wild West. We were the only people in the theater. And we were having a blast yelling like, oh, my yeah. God, Will Smith. Yeah, <laughs> Will Smith. And they were like seeing this very serious, dark, fucked up movie. And I just remember getting out of the theater and my grandma being like, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> It's good though. I like it. Okay. I saw it later as an adult. I want to make a list of thrillers and action movies because that's all I want to watch. Dude, I have. So the firm had a thriller vibe. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But it's just, like I said, I'm not a Tom Cruise fan, but I like that type of movie. Um, one thriller, it's not from the 90s, it's from the 80s, but I really love it and recommend. It's called Jagged Edge. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen it. It's with Glenn Close and maybe it's Jeff Bridges. I can't remember. I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it forever. But I remember thinking like, this is the best movie <laughs> when I saw it on like TV or something like that. So it's probably even better without, it was probably edited in some way for t- cable TV. <laughs> so, so I don't even know that I've ever seen the real one, but I always have this memory that it was great. So hopefully it is. Uh, but yeah, Glenn Close is always good in a thriller. The other favorite thriller movie I love from the 90s is in one of my favorite sub genres of thriller, which is Michael Douglas fucks with the wrong woman. Oh yeah, that's a. That's I've a, seen that's all a of those genre. <laughs> I've seen a uh, disclosure. Oh yeah, disclosure with is Demi good. Moore. Yeah, dude, he Michael Douglas. Every movie he's in, he cannot. He fucks with the wrong broad. He is the scummiest <laughs> guy. Always, always. Like he, he really like had that character for like fifteen years. Yeah. Like it always was him. Like. And these women were like so horny for him. Yeah. He is not attractive to me. No, I never got his appeal. I did watch a really old movie. You know how you have a streaming service and you're like, I better watch a bunch of movies on it. So it, yeah. okay, I'm, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that on Criterion Channel and I watched The China Syndrome, which is like a nuclear disaster movie. Uh, and then he's in it with Jane Fonda. And I think this is one of his early movie star yeah. roles. But he was such a like dirtbag camera guy <laughs> in it. And he's much more attractive in this movie, I think, than I've ever felt towards him because he has longish hair and he's kind of like a dirtbag hippie type. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I kind of got it in that movie. But when he became this 80s star, or it was like, like too slick for me. He, in the 80s and like late 80s and 90s, he was always this like slick business guy who's like, yeah. but this business guy who was really horny. And his hair was like, crunchy because it was so greased yeah. back. <laughs> it was like very combed. Yeah. His I, hair was very gel. His style was just not attractive to me because I was like, that guy's a dick. Like <laughs> he was always like, you know, ripping someone's panties. Like it was like, I don't want to see <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like he was always, he would always do some sex move. It was like a little too horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it was like under other circumstances, maybe I'd find this hot, but it's Michael Douglas. So I'm uncomfortable. Yes. That he being, made it uncomfortable. That's that, how I felt about the Rod Stewart video. <laughs> Tonight's the night. <laughs> Because it's like, that's definitely like a key case of like, if I was attracted to this guy, I might be into it. Right. But when he's singing it to me as a virgin, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> like, when, when am I when am I going to get the Steve Buscemi erotic thriller? When am I going to get that? Absolutely. Like, someone's the, missing out on a ton of money making this movie. We should write that. Absolutely. I want to see Steve Buscemi fuck and get into a dangerous situation. That's why Boardwalk Empire was so good, because it was the horniest he ever was on film. <laughs> they finally let him fuck. Yeah. It was like, finally, he was sort of like a, a fucking guy. Yeah. You know? It was good. It was really good. Um, yeah. So that's it. That's all our watching stuff, right? Yeah. That's all I watched this week. Did you eat anything good? Uh, let's see. Uh, gosh. I mean, kind of. I made fish last night. Oh, yeah. And all my cats went nuts. And I gave them some fish. Like, I cut a little piece off for them while I was cooking it, and they ate it. Like, they all were, like, growling at each other, like, tearing it apart. And oh. then when I was done, like, trying to eat my my dinner, they're all crawling all over me. This is some real crazy cat lady hours right now. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I got every time I need to write this shit down when I'm eating it. Okay. I'm, I, oh, oh, okay. So I got Nutella. Oh, yeah. I never have Nutella here, yeah. but I like, ha- I was like, I need to get Nutella. So I got those like bread, like what's it called? Baguettes. <laughs> I got some baguettes, but I got the kind from like in the package, La Brea Bakery, where you finish baking them yourself. Oh, so they're like par-baked or something. Yeah, so you take them out and they're all crusty and hot and delicious, and I put Nutella on them. Ooh. And that's what I had for dessert last night. It was fucking delicious. I like a par-baked baguette that oh. you can make it all fresh and crusty. Oh, love it. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any exciting eats, but I am going to make a lot of stuff for a bake sale tomorrow. I so. am really hungry right now. I'm Me too. I'm wondering what I'm going to eat. I'm starving. Uh, one final thing. I would like to give a shout out to our face. We have a Facebook, an unofficial Facebook uh, listener group. Mm-hmm. They sent me a really nice e-card about my cat. Oh, <laughs> and it was so sweet and um, surprising and thoughtful. Oh, so thank you guys in the group. I don't know what your official name is, but it was like signed by everybody. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it was very sweet. I had no idea what it was, so but luckily I did open it, so that was very thoughtful. Thank De- you so much. Desi had to... Oh, yeah. I had to put down my senior cat, finally. He was almost 20, so that's what happened uh, this week. I guess they saw my post on Instagram. I did yeah. post a picture of him. Uh, so yeah, thanks guys. That's so sweet. Um, people are always looking for a Facebook group, which we don't have an official one anymore. So, but I think if you search, you might find some of these uh, unofficial. unofficial groups. But be nice in these groups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk shit about me, or I'll find out. No, <laughs> then I won't be so sweet. Uh, thank you guys. That was really nice of that's you. Really nice. Um, so yeah, that's all I have this week. Well, we will see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.